0: Welcome, everyone, to our Super Bowl. Are you excited for baptism today? Amen. Open up your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. I have a slide that I'm going to put up. This is a special occasion. Thank you, family and friends, for coming out today. As you can see, we prepared our luxurious baptismal tank heated to the perfect temperature. And we are going to do these baptisms as a celebration of what God has done. Before we do, I want everyone to see why we do baptisms, why they're so important in the body of Christ, and also some of the differences between us us and different Christian denominations or belief systems, not with a show of hands, but if I were to ask here how many have been baptized as a child, I know many of you here have. And yet we don't see that in the scripture because baptism of children would require a child to be able to confess their sins and Jesus is Lord. And yet you don't see that. Now God promised children the kingdom of God. And so if you're ever discussing with somebody about whether or not God is just and fair to children from other nations, whether it's the Gaza conflict with Israel right now or someplace off into the wilderness, you know, people say, what about that lost people group? They never received the gospel. God is just and fair. And for children, the Bible says they belong to the kingdom of God. Can I hear an amen to that? Now, after the age of accountability, when people know right from wrong, the Bible says each person will be judged in their conscience about what they have done. So if you look idolater, whether they're in another country or in this country, an idolater will be judged as an idolater and sent to hell. So this idea that it's natural to worship a tree and God should excuse that, that's not true for anybody. And why would we think those who are in other cultures would would be any different of intelligence than us? It's actually the Christian, not the evolutionist. See, the evolutionist believes in racism and the superiority of races. That was actually in Darwin's book. Would you please put up the title of his first a book done on the preservation of the superior species. And so if you believe in evolution, that means there has to be better of something over time. There are better humans. There are better dogs. Are you all tracking with me? But Christians have never taught that. At least biblical ones haven't. Biblical Christians believe that through Adam and Eve, one couple have come all the humans of the human race. So from Adam and Eve, we're all created equal. Can I hear an amen to that? So that means that there is no superiority of races. As a matter of fact, races as we would know it is actually incorrect. It is a heresy according to the Bible. According to the Bible, the, the human race is one race. Can I hear an amen for that? Now I want you to look here at the cover of the book, of, of his original book. So get me the cover of the original book, please. When you look to science, you'll find yourself being told you came from the goo through the zoo to you. But if we look to the Bible, what do we see? One race, the human race, and then over time they spread out across the world. So someone who is now in a jungle, where did they come from? They came from Noah's Ark. Can I hear an amen to that if you believe that? They came from Noah's Ark. So if you travel through, the history of the Bible starts with Adam and Eve. They procreate population grows. God's judgment then comes. God spares Noah, his wife, three sons that Noah had with their three wives, that's a total of eight people, then get off the ark. Those eight people are then the founders of the new humanity. That humanity then tried to build a tower to heaven Kind of like you would see at the, uh, I think it's the Jefferson Monument at the Washington in Washington D.C. An obelisk. They tried to build something which we now know as the Tower of Babel to defy God, and then God cursed them there and gave them different languages and sent them out across the world. Can I hear an amen to that? Now that's why there are different cultures, but not different races. Does everybody see that? So you're going to have different cultures that, according to the Bible are separated by their language. So imagine after the Tower of Babel, not everybody speaks the same language. You find somebody that speaks the same language. Eventually, you begin to settle with them, and now you become a homogeneous group. That's why there are Asians, Africans, Europeans. We all trace back, even they have found microchondrial Eve. They put a wrong time stamp on her and believe she's half ape and half human. But there's an idea that all humans came from microchondrial Eve. How many have heard that before? Okay, Now, here's the title of his original book. Notice this right here. On the origin of species by means of natural selection or the preservation of the favored races in the struggle for life. That's Charles Darwin. You understand? I didn't make that up. That's Charles Darwin. When I call him a racist, that's not calling him a bad name according to him. That's calling him exactly what he wants to be. Now, today, your science teacher is not going to be as bold as this. What they're going to do is they're going to tell you what the propaganda that they've been given to blind you to the things of God so that you won't think through the implications. But all you have to do is just ask them in their own worldview, what does it mean we came from the goo through the zoo to you? What does it mean that we are now here and the Neanderthals are not? And what does it mean that there are some of us that are different, and as time goes on, others of us will survive and some won't? Won't there then be superior races? Hello, can I hear an amen to to, to that? According to their own belief, weren't there deficient races that didn't make it? And isn't there now superior races that did make it? I mean, if you take a chihuahua with a Rottweiler and leave it outside of Chicago for a while, don't you know one is going to be superior? (laughs) Do you think there's going to be a lot of chihuahuas in natural selection remaining in Chicago if that's what it was going to be? No, so all you have to do is ask anyone who believes in evolution, from the, 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 the biggest, smartest scientist to whoever you know, is just ask them, do we live in a dog-eat-dog dog world? If that's the world we live in, then what's wrong with racism? Then what's wrong with any kind of ism? What's wrong with dictatorship? What's, what's wrong with might being right? See, they have no standard. So now, once again, I want everybody to understand this as we get into baptism. Christianity opposes the world system. We stand on the gospel of Jesus Christ that is being revealed to men and women's heart all across the world. We believe that if someone is in a tribe right now, unreached, or whether they lived in the 1700s or the 1600s, we believe that God put in their heart not to worship the creature, but to worship the creator. Can I hear an amen to that? How many think people in the jungle are smart enough to realize that the tree they're worshiping didn't come from them? I mean, the tree that they're worshiping didn't make them, rather. But if they make that tree an idol, that came from them, not vice versa. Does everybody understand that? If you take a tree and then you make it an idol, are you that stupid to think that that tree is now your creator when you're the one that created the idol? No. No. So why do people today worship idols? It's no different in the jungle like we would think of them. There's no different there than why now today in India, some of the smartest people in the United States, the highest level of degrees among doctorates now is becoming the Indian people from India. I've been to India three times. Can I get a little more in the monitors, please? How many would think that Southeast Asians are pretty smart? You ever met one? So why do they worship idols in their house? Why is it when I went to my Indian doctor out in Elgin, and maybe my sister from Elgin has seen this, right there in front of his clinic, it was a big statue of a god? Is he stupid? He's smarter than most of us when it comes to taking a test. He's a doctor. He lives in a bigger house than me, right? So what's the problem? He understands that he made that idol. He understood that he had to carry that idol there. He had to place it there. And some of the funny things to watch is, you know, God forgive me for laughing at other Christians, but I have to to be honest with you, is when Catholics parade around the mother of Guadalupe and she falls down and knocks down all the priests. I don't know if anybody's ever seen that. It's like, whoops, there goes your God. God. But that's what they think. Here we're honoring our God. We're going to walk through it through the village and then it just topples over and falls on top of them. Now understand this. They're not stupid. They understand that's not really Mary. They understand that's not really Mary. How many, how many believe they understand that's not really Mary? Okay. How many know my Hindu neighbor who props up this statue in front of his doctoral, uh, his doctor clinic? How many know he's not stupid? He doesn't think that's his real God. He can, he's the one that put it there. He can, you know, touch it and knock it over if he wanted to. But what do idolaters do? Idolaters attribute to that statue their deity's power. That's what they believe. They believe that their deity's power is attributed to that statue. They believe Mary's power is attributed to that water stain under the bridge. Does anybody know about the water stain under the bridge? What is it? Still there on Fullerton? Yes, check and see if the water stain of Mary under the bridge in Chicago is still around. Thank you. How many know they know that that's just a bridge with water? But they attribute their God's power to that. So now we come there and worship that. My friends, the heart of an idolater is live and well in our country today. And it's not just found in the jungle. So when once again, why do we do baptism for adults? We're watching people today renounce idolatry. We're watching people today renounce the the belief system that they came from an animal. We're watching people accept the biblical teaching that they are God's creature. And that therefore they owe God their obedience. The morals of the Bible matter because God matters. That's pretty basic, isn't it? If God did not give us morals, then would any morals matter? No. And then why is our God the true God? Why is this Bible our word of God and not the Quran, the Bhagavad Gita of the Hindus or the sayings of Buddha. Why is this what we believe God has spoken? Because Jesus Christ is the center of this book, and his death, burial, and resurrection resonates not only in history as an actual event, but also to our hearts today that Jesus Christ is alive. Can I hear an amen? Now, do you look at this man and think he's a stupid man? Do you think he's a foolish man? He's practicing folly, but he's not dumb in the sense of intelligence, is he? He's attributing the power of his God to that water stain. How many here feel sorry for him in a sense? How many would like to introduce him to the God of heaven and earth that doesn't need that to be a conduit of his power? The conduit of God's power is not a water stain on a bridge. The conduit of God's power is the Holy Spirit residing in his disciples. Some of you are like, I didn't know I would be so deeply offended at a baptism service. I'm sorry if your friends and family did not prepare you for an average Metro Praise service. An average Metro Praise service is highly offensive to people who have not discussed these things before, though it's not intentionally that way. I'm just trying to help you. I'm asking you, if you disagree with me, we can talk afterward. But is that the gospel? Is that what our Jesus commanded? Go ye into all of the world and find water stains and pray to them and put candles there. If this was important to our God as a means of communication, why didn't he put it here? In the Old Testament, he was so specific. The priest had to wear this, had to dress like this, had to have these clothes. Do you know that if you had bad eyesight, a bruised testicle, sorry to bring that up, gentlemen, but if you had any of those defects, you couldn't even be a priest. So in other words, the Bible is so specific in the Old Testament about how you get down with God that it talked about men's private parts, and yet you're telling me Jesus forgot that. Jesus just forgot what this was going to be about. Jesus just forgot that somebody was going to dress up like father and uh, dress up like mother and we would all call them father. Jesus just forgot to tell us that you could go into a dark closet and confess your sins to somebody that should be confessing theirs in front of a judge. Not saying all priests are pedophiles, but you know they have kept that hidden for many, many years. Hello. And yet we come to a church like this and then we get offended at the preacher just telling us what Jesus said. Jesus loves all the little children of the world, red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. We don't have to baptize children. We baptize disciples. Jesus didn't baptize children. He said the kingdom of God belonged to them. We don't look down on other nations and where they're at because they're not Western or American or first world, third world, developed, underdeveloped. and That's not how we look at the world. We look at the world through the eyes of the scripture. Are you following the commands of Jesus Christ? Why is this Bible important to me and not the Bhagavad Gita? Because this Bible tells me about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus who said he fulfilled the Old Testament and gave us a New Testament. There is no other book about Jesus other than this book that explains it the way that it does. Now, everybody track with me. Now, you may say, well, I don't believe in Jesus, and this book was written by men. Yes, this book was written by men and not elephants. What's your point? How many believe books are written by human beings and not elephants? So whoever says that to you like an argument, well, the Bible is written by men. Yes, we believe that human beings write books, not elephants and giraffes and chameleons and whatever random animal I can think of. Can you think of another random animal? A dog, a lizard, a cat. The Bible was written by men. yes. Do you believe that men can be right sometimes? Can I hear an amen from some ladies here? Did anybody get any Valentine's Day gifts? Could the men get that right, ladies? Can I hear an amen? Men can be right sometimes, can't they? I'm a man. If I write 2 plus 2 equals 4, is that wrong just because I'm a man? If you're going to throw away every book and say, I don't trust it because it's written by a man, well, there goes your newspaper. There goes your history books. There goes your science books because it was written by men. So now that we've gotten over that, now let's just go to the book written by men. What does it teach us? Well, it teaches us the historical narrative of a person named Jesus. It gives us his genealogy. Hmm, that's different. That doesn't sound like Greek mythology. That doesn't sound like like Gilgamesh and and his epics, the Iliad and the Odyssey. That, That doesn't sound like that. Ours starts with the genealogy. How many have read the genealogies before? Don't lie. Did you fall asleep and then halfway get through it? How many have read all of the genealogies before? Go to Luke chapter 2, please. We have genealogies in our Bible. Okay, well, it's a book written by man that has genealogies. Well, is there a reason to lie about these genealogies? Uh, Luke chapter 1 then, rather. Is there a reason to lie about these genealogies? Now scroll on down here. Let's find them here. I thought it was chapter 2, but it must be chapter 1. Let's keep scrolling. It's probably in chapter 2. I was probably right to begin with. Just keep scrolling. Let's go to the genealogies here. How many believe Mary was a virgin? Amen. I'm going to get into that in just a moment, but let's keep going. Luke 3. Sorry, I was off by a chapter. Thank you. Look at Luke chapter 3. How does the Luke chapter 3 teach us about Jesus coming to this earth? Does it say he just appeared out of nowhere, out of some lotus or something like that? No, look at what it says. It says he was the son, so it was thought of Joseph. Okay? And then where did Joseph come from? The son of Heli. The son of Mathet. Does everybody see that? So that's our book, giving you a genealogy. How many know that this Bible was written around that time? That idea that this was written way after the time of Jesus has now been proven wrong. They used to believe that before archaeology came about. One of the reasons why they developed archaeology out of the scientific revolution was to try to prove or disprove the Bible. And guess what? Not only did the proof for the Bible get better after archaeology, it's actually eliminated some of the arguments that you hear people say all the time today. Have you ever heard somebody say Jesus was a myth? That is one of the ideas that was crushed after archaeology developed. Now today, whether it's Secular historians, Christian historians, Jewish historians, Muslim, it doesn't matter what their religious belief is, 99% of all, all academic historians believe Jesus existed. It's true. Look it up. Even Bart Ehrman, who used to be a Christian who is no longer one who wrote the book Misquoting Jesus and tried to find some flaws in the teaching of the Bible, said while receiving a gift from atheists for his work to promote his book, he said, you guys need to stop saying Jesus didn't exist. That only makes sense in your little internet community, but in the world of academia, it makes us all look like idiots. Jesus existed. If Jesus and the evidence for his existence does not count for him, then no one past 20 years ago existed because we have the best evidence for Jesus that we do for Caesar or for anyone else of antiquity. Can I hear an amen? And so we look at the Bible, it gives us genealogies, tells us about the story of Jesus, and then guess what it tells us? It tells us what we're going to learn here in just a few moments about Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. It tells us that Jesus rose from the dead. How many know that's a pretty big claim? Do you guys know anybody that's raised from the dead? No, it doesn't happen all the time, does it? How about somebody that raises from the dead and ascends to heaven? Okay, so now we have a problem here. We have a historical man that has a historical book. We're not even talking about whether it's perfect or not. I don't care if you believe it's perfect or not. Does your history book have to be perfect to give you the understanding that there was a man named Abraham Lincoln that was shot in the head, who was present? Does your, does your history book have to be perfect to present that to you? I, as a Christian, believe the Bible to be infallible, but I don't need you to believe that right now. All I need to do is ask you, do you believe that he lived? Do you believe this was the genealogy of his family? And do you believe that it was reported that he was crucified? Guess what? The same evidence we have for his existence is the same we have for his crucifixion. Well, now we have a big problem, don't we? Because after that crucifixion, people who wrote the same book about his evidence of existing, the same people who wrote in the book about his evidence of crucifixion say they saw him raised from the dead. This is not the problem of the Christian. We have the answer, and it's Jesus' resurrection. The problem is now for the non-believer. All of them are in the group now of having to explain this. And we're mentioning Bart Ehrman. I'll do so again. This is the toughest problem they have because they have to now look at the book and take the history of it and they actually see that there's a problem. That there's multiple people attesting to his resurrection. And they're the same ones who give us the evidence. And do you know what they have said? Look it up on YouTube. Why would I lie in the time of, of internet? You can do it while I'm talking. Guess what they now say? Their evidence is. It's not that Jesus, uh, their, their answer to the evidence. It's not that Jesus didn't exist. It's not that Jesus wasn't crucified. It's not that the disciples didn't see him. You know what they now say? They hallucinated. That's what they say. Look it up. Look up Bart Ehrman explaining the resurrection appearances to the disciples. So now you have a choice. Here you are. Do you believe that the men who wrote this book hallucinated, tripped out on some acid, were so sad that they were missing Jesus that they said they saw him, ate with him for 40 days, and then went out and preached unto their deaths? The resurrection of Jesus. Peter was crucified upside down by Rome. Many of them were beaten and fed to lions. You're saying that they just hallucinated this, go out there and start a religion that profits them nothing. They weren't tele They weren't people getting any power like Islamic jihads did in the time of Muhammad. They don't get wives and lands and slaves with the promise of 70 virgins. These people die based on the testimony. We saw Jesus. And then guess what pops into the scene? And this is the one all historians stumble on. His name is Paul. Paul comes around, and he's a Jew that admits he used to kill Christians who said they saw Jesus. Every historian not only admits that Jesus' disciples believe they saw Jesus, but they believe the testimony of Paul. But here's the problem putting him under a hallucination. He wasn't Jesus' friends, he wasn't missing him, he wasn't getting together for séances to try to pray him up to make him feel better how they think the disciples might have brought him to their mind as they got together and wept and thought about Jesus. He is on his way to kill more Christians. And he says he meets Jesus in a blinding light that knocks him down and then he becomes a Christian and then gets persecuted by the very ones he was siding with before. He was a Jew killing Christians and now he's one that the Jews want to kill. And then he writes the majority of your Bible the New Testament portion of the Bible, the letters of the Bible. When you read Ephesians, when you read Galatians, these are letters Paul is writing to the churches. And eventually what happens? The Jews try to kill him and he has to run to Rome to find protection. And then he's now out of the, out of the pot into the frying pan and now the Romans kill him and they get their way, the Jews, to try to stop him there by the Romans killing him. They make their charges against him. He dies under Nero. So eventually he gets beheaded himself. The Jews get what they wanted, and the Romans try to end a problem. And for 300 years, Christianity went on like that. My brothers and sisters, what we are doing today represents the apostolic faith of our forefathers. I, today, I'm thankful I'm in the United States of America, but George Washington and Abraham Lincoln, those are not my people. My people are Peter, James, and Paul. My culture is not the American culture, white boy culture, as some of you may say. My culture is Christ's culture. Today, it's not about a party, a political party. Today, it's about the kingdom of God and us seeking it with all that we have. And brothers and sisters, when we do baptism today, that's what we're representing. Look at your neighbor and say, that was the introduction. Amen. Let's get into the message now. You guys ready for the scripture? I just had to help our visitors here understand the Christian worldview. This is what we believe. Matthew, go there quickly, please. 28, 16. Then the 11 disciples. Why is there only 11 disciples here in Matthew 28? Because Jesus committed suicide, didn't he? The 11 disciples went to Galilee. This is after the resurrection to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, some worshiped, but others doubted. Do you notice that right here from the very beginning, our story goes like this. Jesus raised from the dead and still some did not believe. There is no amount of evidence that will cross the line of your head unless you first open your heart. In other words, everything I've said to you has been said to many before and they still won't believe. Because the line from the head to the heart is very, uh, very treacherous. And people oftentimes get toward from their head to their heart. The Bible says love God with all your mind. Did I not give you reasons to believe in God? Did I not, uh, you know, provoke your mind to think? But why will some people get cut off from the head to the heart? Because somewhere in here, they'll begin to realize, well, if Jesus is actually Lord, then Jesus needs to tell me what I do when I go home tonight, and I don't want to marry my girlfriend. So, Jesus, you're not going in here. I'll just take the facts up here. That's why I talk to many people, and they say, oh, they're a Christian, but they're no more following Christ than I'm an astronautian following an astronaut. Are you listening to me? You can say you're a millionaire, but that doesn't mean you have it in your bank today. You can say you're like Christ and you're following Christ, but if you're not like his disciples, you're playing make-believe. And Christianity is not make-believe. Christianity is the foundation of all truth. Jesus Christ is the answer to all of our problems. The best scientists are Christians. The best politicians are Christians. The best police officers are Christians, not so-called Christians, not hypocrite Christians, not lying, deceiving Christians, but Christians who worship Jesus and follow him with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Those kind of people will change the world for good. Some people say, I don't want to be so heavenly minded that I'm of no earthly good. Anybody ever hear that before? Jesus Christ tells us to be so heavenly minded we change the earth for good. I'm going to say that again. Jesus told us to be so heavenly-minded, we change the earth for good. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in where? Heaven is the pattern for earth, and that should be our prayer every day. Seek ye first, he said, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all of these things will be added unto you. You will never waste your life seeking God and his kingdom. God will teach you how to be a mother. God will teach you how to be a father. Oh, to God that our young people were taught how to follow Jesus again in their schools and to know who he made them to be. Oh, to God that we would seek his kingdom and his righteousness, and then the things that we need will be added unto us. It's not found in a religion. It's found in worshiping Jesus. I thank God we're at this church today, but this is not where we stop worshiping Jesus I thank God that that man believes in Mary Mary and not in Krishna. So at least he has the right characters. But he's not supposed to be looking for Mary in a water stain. He's supposed to be looking for Jesus in his heart every day of his life. Jesus is asking us to worship him, not water stains of his mother. Are you listening to me? He's asking us to put put our trust in him. But notice right there, some don't even believe. Here he is, the one they saw die. Most of them were cowards far, far away, but they knew enough that when you hang there and you slump your head down, you're dead. And just to be sure, when that Roman soldier stuck in that spear and they watched him bleed out, they knew he was dead. And they watched. Now, notice this. This gets back into what I was saying before. And they watched a man named Joseph of Arimathea. The Bible even tells you where the man was from. Joseph of Arimathea took his body and put him in his family's grave. That means at the time of the writing, if you knew anything about that area, all you would have to do is go around and ask. And that's why today in the Holy Land, they know it's in one of two places. And of course, they fight over which one it is. But it's got to be there somewhere. Can I hear an amen? And we know it's empty. Nothing can convince the heart of the truth of the gospel without first faith and believing. Here they are looking at the resurrected Jesus and still some doubted. Doubt is a form of pride when you no longer submit to what God has said. In other words, you can right now say, okay, pastor, you gave me a lot to think about. You sure offended me and my aunt and my cousin. You offended all of us because we agree a lot with those water-stained stuff. Okay, that may be true. But listen, you now have to go home and research this yourself. You have to now decide, what are you worshiping? What is Christianity to you? I can't force you to go beyond what you don't want to go. As the old saying goes, you can bring a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Christianity, yes, has used the sword before. And when it did, they went to hell along with anybody else, everybody else. Conquistadors go to hell. Slave owners go to hell. Can I hear an amen to anybody woke today on the gospel? Hallelujah. We were the first one to condemn slave owners. We were the first one to condemn conquistadors. As I've taught here, it was a pastor that was also burned at the witch trials. True Christians have always been there while Christianity goes off the rail. Other Christians have been here waving their hands going, let's not do that. And then they say, kill them too. So we were there correcting our own. Remember, abolitionists in the deep south weren't Muslims, atheists, or Buddhists. They were Christians like Mother uh, Moses, sojourner in the south and the Underground Railroad. They were Christians teaching that all men are created equal and who the sun sets free is free indeed. To the point where the slave owner said, hey, well, we like Christianity, but we don't want to give them all the Bible, give them a slave's Bible, take out all those messages of freedom. And remember, Christianity grew first in Africa before it ever did in Europe. Can I hear an amen for what God did in Ethiopia and in Egypt, study the faith of our fathers in in Africa? And so, brothers and sisters, I can't force you to be a Christian, just like I can't force you guys to sit down in church. Everybody's up moving. Go ahead and grab a seat. Let's get comfortable, please, and thank you. What I can do is give you the understanding of the Bible, and the Bible says they worshipped because he was resurrected and he was worthy. I worship Jesus because he's resurrected and he's worthy. At the age of 18, Jesus Christ made me clean. He took away all my sin. You all know what I mean? I used to run for that devil, but now I'm on another level. I live for my man, Jesus Christ, because I know that price is right. I'm a 6'2 soldier from Fort Wayne. Now I represent Jesus Christ in his holy name. To all my people out there, y'all still in the game, trying to make dope dollars and get your fame, you need to get your life straight. Before it's too late, you're going to find your name upon a graveyard slate. Jesus Christ. He's the man. Amen? When Jesus Christ saved me, I had drugs in my pocket. I was living with a girl that I wasn't married to, and I was a quote-unquote church kid, and I believe I knew everything. Within a few moments at my mother's kitchen table, she reminded me why I was where I was. It was because I left the path that God had for me. Everything that she had given to me, as a young person, she gave to me again at that kitchen table. And she gave me a choice. And I decided that day to start worshiping Jesus Christ and no longer letting my doubts overcome my mind. The Bible says that they worshiped him. Others doubted. Who are you going to be today? I pray that you are those who worship Jesus. Those going into the baptismal tank, they're going to worship Jesus. Jesus then said to them, somebody say to them, not to the doubters, but to those who are worshiping him. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make church goers of all nations. Therefore, go and make Christian listeners of Christian radio. Therefore, go and sell books in bookstores. Is that what it says? Therefore, go and make nationalism, Christianity, Christian nationalism. Go and make patriots. No, it says, therefore, go and make what? Disciples of all nations, baptizing them. See, not a child. You baptize a disciple. If they're old enough to be one, then so be it. But you're baptizing them, those disciples who have made a decision to follow Jesus in the name, hallelujah, of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. When you get born again, those are no longer pictures on a cathedral. That's the gods you worship on the inside of your soul. I know the Father through Jesus Christ, the Son, by the fuego, Espíritu Santo, en el nombre Jesús. You know the power of the Holy Spirit. You look at those beautiful, ornate things, and like I said, they don't got everything wrong. They just got enough wrong that I don't want to do what they do. But you look at those beautiful, ornate cathedral windows, and it shows you the picture of the dove. Not only do I believe that he came down in the form of a dove, I believe he came down with tongues of fire on the day of Pentecost when the church was established, when we would be different than the religions of the world because our God would be with us, because our God's not dead He's surely alive. Christianity is in a category all by itself. It's more than just a religion. It's a relationship with the Creator of the universe, who loves us, transforms us, and wants us to go out and change the world. And teaching them, notice this, to obey everything I've commanded you. That's why when I talk to you as my guest here at at baptism. I'm not trying to offend you. I'm trying to teach you. Those of you who walked into this this church through those doors, were you not taught evolution in your schools? But did they teach you that Darwin was a racist? No, I'm teaching you. When they taught you that these were all but fables and that you shouldn't put your trust in it, did you see what it did to your school? They took out the Bible and put in metal detectors. When they took this out, people didn't know their gender anymore. When they took this out, urban violence now accounts for more deaths than a war in Afghanistan. I think we did better with this. All cultures did better with this. All people who base their life on this are blessed. And the Bible says those who forget it shall be turned into hell. That's the Bible. The Bible says those who forget God will be turned into hell into hell not only will they go there they'll become a part of it may God have mercy on our nation that's why I'm one of the only ones with gray hair here because it's working young adults are getting saved. when the boomers messed it up the millennials said I'll take the baton and run with it I can hardly get a boomer saved anymore because they're so full of their pride. My dad's a boomer. He lives with other boomers. And, and, and if you're a boomer here, don't get jealous because he's already moved to Florida. He's left the Frozen Chosen. But listen to me. When I go and visit them in Florida, there in the Del Webb community. And if you're a boomer, you know what I'm talking about. That's the that's where you want to be. It's like Disney World for adults down there. Drive around in golf carts. They got all of their pickle board games or the pickle, you know, used to be shuffleboard, but now it's pickleball. And my dad's 80-something, my mom's 80-something, and they talk to their peers. And guess what they say? We're not ready to talk about meeting Jesus. We don't want to, Jim, don't ask us where we go when we die. Man, you're 80 years old, Jack. When are you going to think about it? Because tomorrow's in the fool's calendar. And the devil, he's a sneaky devil, isn't he? When you're young, what does he come to you and say? Oh, shh, don't think about God. Think about, think about Fortnite. Don't think about God. Think about your video game. Think about your friends. Don't think about God. You, you get a little bit older, and then what does he say to the teenager? Oh, hey, don't think about God. Think about college. Go get your STD. I mean, go get your degree. More college students have STDs than ever before. Look it up. Go, go get your STD. I mean, go get your degree. And then you finally graduate college. You're a young adult. And then what does the devil say? Oh, don't think about God. you got to get your career. you got to put yourself first. Go get your career, go get your family. And then all of a sudden, now you got your career, you got your family. And what does the devil say to the middle aged man? Oh, you got to stay busy, the middle aged woman. You're too busy for church because you got to stay busy for the family. You don't got church, you don't got time for church on Sunday. You got to take little Johnny to the baseball game. You got to take her, your little daughter, to the gymnastics. You got to keep up with the Joneses so you can get your boat at the lake. And then before you know it, you're at my dad's age, like I said, in Del Webb. And your fellow golfers, a Christian, asking you to think about Jesus, and the devil says, "You got plenty of time. You're living longer than your generations before. You got plenty of time to think about that." And then you, before you know it, my mother, a grandmother, died of dementia. Before you know it, you lose your mind. You're putting a pumpkin inside of a stove, uh, inside of an oven, thinking it's a turkey, and you've lost your mind. And God says, "You wasted your life. It's too late now, brothers and sisters. Listen to me." Jesus said that what we're doing here counts for eternity. I'm worshiping Jesus. Put the next points up for me, please. And surely I'm with you to the end of the age. Here we are in closing. Would someone come to the keyboard, please? Thank you for joining with us. We're happy that you're here. But we wanted to make sure you understood the gospel. Number one, be an obedient disciple. Number two, worship Jesus and don't let your doubts take over your heart. Have I been in doubt before? Absolutely. But you know what I do? I doubt my doubts. What if God's not real? What if He is? What if no one listens to you when you pray? What if He is listening to me when I pray? What if there is no heaven or hell? What if there is? Hello, can I hear an amen to doubting your doubts? Why do your doubts go unchallenged? Because they're so scary, aren't they? But challenge your doubts, think through your doubts. Many of you were were raised Christian, but you don't live Christian anymore. Why? What have you replaced my precious Christ with? What is greater than my Jesus? Is Cardi B and her stank lyrics more precious than my Jesus? Is that club that some of you went to last night that smells like beer and urine more precious than Jesus? I've been there. Is going to the weed dispensary getting high so you forget your problems more precious than Jesus? Everybody's worshiping something. Everybody's going after something. I always have services like this and people say, oh, you guys are too loud. You're too long. That's not what you said at the Bulls game last night. You didn't say that at the Bears game two weeks ago. You were loud. You were long. You're worshiping men in tights playing with balls. Basketball, football, I worship men in tights who play with balls. And then they say, that's my team, that's my team, that's my team. Try to go to your team's game without paying a ticket and see if they let you in. The Sox, the Cubs, that's my team. Walk over there to that stadium and see if they'll let you in today for free because they're your team. And then you talk about these players. Oh, this player, that player, this player. Oh, they're so amazing. They'll get drafted next week for a million dollars beating the snot out of your team. They don't care about you. they go going to play where they get paid. Are you listening to me? And yet Christianity is being mocked in our culture. Oh, you go to that church and you give it money. Yeah, but we let you in for free. It's up to you whether or not you give. They won't even let you into that club without the money. They won't let you into that sports arena without the money. They won't let you watch some stupid movie without that money. And yet the Christian church is here for the people. Are you listening, brothers and sisters? And we shout and we sing, not about women's body parts. We shout and we sing not about silly things that Miley Cyrus sings about That's gone. that's here today and gone tomorrow. Tell me the Miley Cyrus of the 1700s. You can't. Tell me the one of the 1400s. All that is beautiful soon fades like the grass and the flowers of the field. It's here today and gone tomorrow. Your life is like a vapor of smoke, the Bible says. And yet we think the preacher shouting is the crazy one. I'm not the crazy one, my friends. I'm standing in front of you as a truck is coming down to knock you down off this highway called life. And I'm saying, get ready to meet your maker. Get ready to meet the God of heaven and earth. He sent his son. He died on the cross. God so loved the world that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He sent his one and only son to change us, to rearrange us. And then he told us to walk in his authority. That's why we're not afraid of the world. When they persecute us, when they murder us, please put up the the, the painting depicting the Christians in the the arena. I wear this bracelet to represent the underground church. Over 100,000 Christians are at the point of death today because of their Christian faith around the world. Some of the hot spots are North Korea, Iran, Nigeria, India. They are suffering for the cause of Jesus. And yet, notice this, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego at the time of Babylon, they're standing in the authority of Jesus going, hey, king, do to us whatever you want, but we will not bow our knees. Do you know that I've had to go to gangs with some of our young people and said, if you got to beat them out, beat them out, but you're not killing them because the day of him in this gang ends right now. There's videos of pastors doing it where they actually took them up. Thankfully, they never needed to beat out our guys. But there are pastors going to the gangs going, okay, get your final licks on him because he's leaving this life. He's not joining the other team. He's getting a new life. He's going from a sinner to a saint. He's going from dead to alive. It's time that gangbangers realize there's something worth living and dying for and it's not anything other than the blood of Jesus. We've had friends and family in this place come from transgenderism to the gender that God assigned them to be and they get at odds with their family because their family wanted them more to transition and to play Mr. Potato Head with their body parts than to be who God called them to be. We've had people in this church get jumped on street corners like this because they're a part of this and somebody says, your pastor said this or you believe this about homosexuals or you believe this. What are you going to say now? And yet Christians have always suffered this way. They don't like us, the world. I'm not saying we walk around with the martyr's complex, but I'm saying it's going to cost you something. They didn't throw for Jesus a parade. They crucified my Jesus. Jesus said, if they did this to me, what do you think they want to do to you? They want to mock you. They want to embarrass you. Manny Pacquiao in the Philippines, a Christian, they want to embarrass him. They want to embarrass the others that are in different nations. They try to pull their Christianity down because they stand for Jesus. They try to make Tim Tebow look like a fool. They try to make Chick-fil-A look like they're racist and bigots. And yet this is where we come from. We come from a place where Christians used to have to stand for what they believe in, not in hate, But in the gospel of Jesus Christ, I love you enough to tell you the truth. Those pagans that day when this picture, you know, it's a modern rendition, but you can read the stories of this in Fox's Book of Martyrs. When those Christians gave their lives like they did here that day, those pagans were cheering for them to die. Why? Because they didn't want to be told anymore abortion was wrong. In the Roman Empire, you could throw out your unwanted children. Christians invented orphanages. Look it up. We invented health care for the needy. When other nations rejected their own people, we sent people like Mother Teresa and other Christians to go to nations and do what they would not do for their own people. And yet Christians suffer persecution even to this day. Are you listening to me, brothers and sisters? Go to the Instagram of Global Relief. I want to show you what's happening even right now in India, and then we'll close in prayer. How many are ready today to give all to Jesus? Not to a church, not to a pastor. We don't swear allegiance to any other movement. Even as the military, the police, and so forth, we do this as unto God. Roman soldiers got saved in Rome and had to make a decision. There is one story passed down through church history. That as they were doing a mass execution of Christians, a Roman guard heard one of these women singing a song. Go right down, please. uh, Click Pray for India. And then I'll tell you about, hold on, just hold on to that for a second. And then let me tell you about this, this one here in the Roman Empire. This has been passed down to us. That they would kill us in droves. And one Roman soldier is watching these women and these men sing their songs, say the Lord's Prayer, even as the Coptics did as they were bowed down there at at the ocean before ISIS when they were all getting beheaded. They were reciting the Lord's Prayer in their mother tongue. These soldiers saw this and one soldier said, if this is what it means to believe in Jesus, then I'm a Christian too. And he died with them that day. Richard Wombrandt was put in persecution concentration camps during the Romanian communist revolt. When communism rose up in the 50s, Richard Walmbrand was put into communist jails and brainwashed. And they told him that your mother, your father, your family, your children, they've all become communist. You're no longer now having a church. He was a pastor. You no longer have a church to pastor. You're all alone. Renounce Christianity. And then you know what he said back to them? He said, even if all forsake me, Jesus will never forsake me. He said to the one beating him, then you'll be the one that now joins my church. What kind of insanity is this? The one beating him, he says, you'll become the member of my church now in this prison cell because I cannot renounce Jesus. So listen, let us just all just draw the line in the sand right now. It's not that we have any agenda to hurt people or to speak against them to cause violence, but we're just drawing a line in the sand right now. There is not many ways. There is one way to Jesus Christ. There is not multiple genders. There is two genders. There is a heaven and a hell. Not everybody goes into a bright light. Are you listening to me? The Bible teaches us that the morals of God are commands and they are to be obeyed. They're not suggestions. We draw the line in the sand right now and we say to our governors, to our leaders, to our brothers and our sisters, I have decided to follow Jesus Though none go with me, still I will follow. Please click on that. And let's introduce our church once again to the underground church in China. Click on it uh, in India. This is our brothers and sisters being attacked by Hindus. Coming into the church, throwing chairs at our dear Christians. Beating them with sticks. They do not have the right to defend themselves. Here they are sitting doing nothing. And they are now being whipped and beaten by the Hindu nationalists who want them to close their church because there's a Hindu revival in their village if you study the history. you think today Christianity is going to come at any less of a price for us? There was a young man preaching the gospel who got shot by a gangbanger on a corner. Thank God he survived. He's now back to preaching. But that church went back to that street corner the following week holding up signs saying, We are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They whip our pastors. They beat them. Look at them beating our pastors and our Christians, burning their churches. Pray for India. This is what we deal with today in our culture on a lesser level But when you see those go into this baptism tank, you may celebrate, but a culture may hate. Does everybody get that? Because now they've become marked by Christ. In this church, being a Christian actually means something. It means we follow the commands of Jesus. Can I hear an amen to that? That means we stand on the commands of Jesus. Once again, we want no harm towards anyone. But we want the commands of Jesus to be preached and to be taught. Amen? And then lastly, we trust Jesus that he's with us to the very end of the age. Let's read that scripture again together. Go back, please. Start with me in verse 18, all authority. One, two, three. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. If you believe God is with us in 2024, would you stand up? Come on. Give a hand clap for almost 20 people getting baptized today. Come on, somebody say, thank you, Jesus. People coming from all different cultures and backgrounds to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Gloria a Dios. Gracias, Señor. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Band and altar workers, would you come quickly as we begin to pray? And then we'll transition into baptisms. Thank you for your patience. As we transition to baptisms, it's going to be crowded. It's going to be busy. But we're going to ask that if you need prayer and you need to accept Christ, you'll find a prayer worker. These are not your priests. These are just your brother or sister here to help. They're here to help encourage you, just like the original disciples, so that you and I might be together in heaven. When judgment comes, we will be right with our God. With every head bowed and eyes closed, would you look at your life and see how you're doing with Jesus? Do you believe in him? Or are you doubting him? If you're doubting him, doubt your doubts today. Search and you shall find. Knock and the door will be answered. Ask and you shall receive. Those who are believing, let me ask you now, are you living for him? Or are you just a, a Christian in name only? Are you just the kind of person that says, I believe, but really there's nothing to back it up? Be honest with your soul right now. Look at your life. And if you're here today and you want to repent of those sins that may be being exposed in your life from pornography to lying to dishonesty to bitterness, would you pray with me, Jesus, come into my heart and change me. If that is you right now, just pray right where you're at in a few moments. We'll dismiss to get ready for baptism. And on your own, you can come up to these prayer workers if you need some help today to do that because we don't want anyone here leaving the same way they came. And if you have further questions about Jesus, any one of these would love to meet with you this week to discuss it further. We don't know it all. We don't pretend to. But we know someone who does, and he'll hear us when we pray. A few moments right now, search your heart. And then the rest of us who are Christians, who would say, yes, pastor, I'm here. I'm ready even to get baptized, or I've been baptized. I love Jesus. I'm living for him. Would you right now ask the Lord to fill you with his Holy Spirit to empower you to be a witness to this world? Because what's happening in this storefront should not be taken for granted. God is building his church. It's bigger than a political movement. It's bigger than even our own families and neighborhoods and cultures. He's building the ecclesia, the church of Jesus Christ on this earth. Ask him to use you to change the world. A few moments right now. If you're not a Christian, pray to become one. If you are one, ask God to use you to see this world changed by the gospel. I have decided. To follow Jesus. I I have decided. decided If you want to come up, come up right now. We'll dismiss in a moment. And you can still come up then. But even right now, if you don't want to wait, come on up. I have decided. To follow Jesus. No turning back. a few more times no and then we'll dismiss and get ready for back. baptisms. If you want to come up Don't now, come up now. Make a decision. Me. Jesus loves still you. I he has a plan follow. for your life. He'll forgive and change you. Though none go with me. Though none go with me, me. Still I will follow Oh, hallelujah. Though none go, go with me. Like send back and hold And trust in his presence daily. And I surrender. Saints, would you sing it out? I surrender. If you're a true Christian today and you surrender all to Jesus, would you say it now? I surrender. I surrender, I surrender all. my family, my future, my dreams, my plans, my fears, my failures, my sins, and my wins all to, thee, all to Jesus. Say, Savior, I surrender. One more time, if you mean it today, from your heart, I surrender. And I, I surrender, surrender, surrender. Take the wheel, Jesus. You're in control. Surrend. I surrender we surrender our nation to you, God. Have your way in this political turmoil, God. We surrender our streets, I, our neighborhoods, all to Jesus. You alone are worthy. Hallelujah. If you believe he's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, would you give him a hand clap of praise and shout his name, Jesus. Jesus!